God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the chief sinner, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end time prophecy news. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe to the, to the Tribe, Tribe of Christians, Christians broadcast, either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, The Chief Sinner. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians podcast. I'm your host, the Chief Sinner. The rainbow is one of God's most significant, profound, and powerful signs given to us throughout all history. Many are familiar with the story of Noah and the flood, but very few people are aware of the rainbow's connection to the Antichrist and the end times. I'm going to reveal to you what those connections and prophecies are. God is an incredible communicator. In fact, God is the greatest communicator. Why? For two reasons. The first reason is because of why God communicates. God never has to say anything at all. He doesn't need the validation of anybody or anything. He doesn't need to be worshipped. He doesn't need to be acknowledged. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the great I Am who was who is and who will always be. But yet God chooses to communicate to us because of who he is and who we are. The Bible says that God is love and that through him, through that very love, all things were made. Everything was made by him. Everything was made through him and everything was made for him. And we were made in his image. And he didn't have to do any of that. He didn't have to create us. Now, some of you might say that the world might have been better off never existing than being created in the first place. But what could be more rewarding than knowing God? There is no greater blessing than knowing the creator of the universe and having a relationship with that creator. And even greater is being created in that very image of God. Because God is love. And there's no greater thing that a man or a woman can possess than love and the capacity to give love. So love is one of the reasons that makes God the greatest communicator. Everything about him is because of love. So when God created the universe, he created it because of love, by love, through love, and for love. So when God speaks, it's because of love. Now, how many of us can say that everything we say and everything that we do, every choice that we ever make is for love, that it's by love and because of love? And although the book of James tells us to be slow to anger, slow to speak and be eager to listen most of us don't listen for the purpose of hearing but we listen for the purpose to respond or defend to speak and yet the bible tells us that god hears our prayers god listens to us god hears you and me 
God is listening not for the purpose of response, but simply for the purpose of love. Because He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. Jeremiah 29, 12-13 Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. David also said in Psalm 66, 17-20, he testified, saying, I cry out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Now, the second reason why God is the greatest communicator is that God is an unlimited communicator. And according to what Jesus said, not only is God unlimited communicator, but the things in which God speaks last for all eternity. Unlike us, we're extremely limited. We rely on written and verbal communication. We rely on signs and signals and sound and sight. And we're limited to the resources in which we have. We have to rely on our knowledge, which is learned. And we have to rely on the knowledge of others to understand what we are trying to communicate. But God is the source of all living things. And he has the entire universe at his disposal to communicate. He has the sun. He's got the stars. He has the ocean. He has all the animals. And not only does he have the entire universe to use for his communication purposes, he also has time, which he is the creator of. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Job 12, 7-10 even tells us that animals and the birds in the sky, even the earth, the sea, and all the creatures inform us about the hand of the Lord. They communicate to us. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So God is the greatest communicator, and he has been communicating to us since our very creation. Now, it is never a question of if God is speaking, but rather, what is God speaking? It's a matter of discernment and revelation. And one of the ways that God speaks to us is through signs. Genesis 1.14, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars for the purpose of distinguishing the difference between night and day, to serve as signs, to mark sacred times and days and years. So in other words, when you look up and you see extraordinary things happening with the sun or the moon, and when these things are occurring, we know that something significant is taking place and that God is communicating to us. In our present time and age, there are thousands of signs occurring all around us, signifying that God is at work and he's fulfilling his words. We're living in one of the most significant and most anticipated times in all history because we are seeing the fulfillment of so many prophecies concerning the reestablishment of Israel. 1948, God reestablished Israel as a nation through the help of the United States. It was President Harry Truman who became the first world leader to officially recognize the establishment of Israel as well as giving Israel the financial resources to rebuild their nation and their cities. And then in 1967, God reestablished the city of Jerusalem to the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, along with land acquisitions and borders of the Golan Heights, the West Bank and Gaza Strip from the Jordanians and Egypt and the Six-Day War. From 2014 to 2015, we 
saw the four great blood moons, which fell on significant Jewish festivals and holidays. On August 21st of 2017, the Great American Solar Eclipse occurred and was visible all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast of the United States. Then about a month later, on September 23rd of 2017, the Great Revelation 12 sign appeared in the stars. And shortly after, what happened? Incredible things occurred between the United States and Israel. Just this past year, God reaffirmed and strengthened Israel's sovereignty over Jerusalem through the moving of the U.S. Embassy. And just last week, God again reaffirmed and strengthened Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. And a little over a week from now, shortly after Israel's Knesset elections, President Trump is about to unveil his proposed peace deal between Israel and Palestine. And this is very significant, and the timing of this all is very significant. Now, to many of us, these things that are happening aren't just biblical prophecies being fulfilled, but are also significant signs that the end times are upon us. There have been 12 U.S. presidents since Harry Truman in the time span of 70 years, and yet President Donald Trump in this very present time has been the first and only U.S. president to officially follow through with the United States' promise to have an embassy in Jerusalem and to follow through with the affirmation of Israel's sovereignty over the 1967 land acquisitions from the Six-Day War. Now, these things could not have been achieved if it weren't for the strength, for the help and the encouragement and influence of God's hand on the United States in our present time in history. So God is communicating through incredible and significant signs throughout the entire world. It isn't a coincidence or accident. And what all these signs are signaling to us is that God is letting us know that He is God, that He is the Alpha and the Omega, that His words are true, and that He is not only fulfilling them, but He's bringing them to a completion. We are in the final chapter, and the books are about to be closed. And there is an incredible significant sign that I want to take a look at here that I believe communicates one of the most profound end-time prophecies that we have ever had. Now, if you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. That's Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. And God said, This is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the water, will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. Now my message I want to share with you is concerning the sign of the rainbow and how this incredible sign reveals the timing of the end times, the rise of the Antichrist, and the global world empire system. Now just the other night as I was falling asleep, I saw the ocean and then I saw a door. And as I saw this, I heard Genesis 9 verses 12 through 13. And then I woke up. And those of you who study prophecy know that the ocean represents Gentile nations. 
and also represents tribulation. And the door, I believe, symbolizes the second coming of Jesus, which is upon us and is near. So I turn to Genesis 9, 12-13, which says, And God said, This is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you, and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So after reading this, I asked the Lord, What message could I possibly give concerning the rainbow? How in the world is the rainbow connected to the end times. Now, I'm a prophetic teacher by calling and anointing. I preach also through revelation. So I was puzzled by this for a couple of days. I started to do research and behold, I found it. I found an incredible prophetic end times message right in the sign of the rainbow, which connects the rainbow to the Antichrist in the end times. And what's even more interesting is the timing of this word. So God asked me to give you this message at this time, right before President Trump is about to unveil a peace plan for the Middle East. There's no coincidences about this, and I'm going to show you exactly what it all means. Now, we don't have a detailed record of everything which was taking place, which led right up to the flood of Noah. But we do know that the entire earth was filled with complete wickedness and was so wicked that God resented his own craftsmanship and his own work. Genesis 6, 6 through 8. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I've created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So in that time, there were things happening with the angels and mankind that give us clues as to what was occurring that brought on the flood. And the things that were occurring had to do with sexual immorality, extreme perversion. Unnatural things were occurring completely different than the original design and purpose which God had intended it. Apparently, not only do we have fallen angels coming down and having sex with mankind, creating these giants called Nephilim, but bestiality is also occurring. And that's why God didn't destroy just mankind, but he destroyed all the animals with mankind. So God decides to wipe them all out. But it was on the accord of Noah and Noah's faith in God that God establishes the basis of a covenant and agreement that would last until the very end, which God promises to never destroy the entire earth through flood again. But we are now living in a time where those sins are coming up before the Lord, and they are reoccurring as they once were. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3-6. through six. Peter is writing in concern to God's covenant with Noah, and he is literally describing the generation of the end times, word for word. Peter says, I want you to know that in the last days, men will laugh at the truth. They will follow their own sinful desires. They will say, he promised to come again. Well, where is he? Since our earthly fathers died, everything is the same from the beginning of the world. But they want to forget that God spoke and the heavens were made long ago. The earth was made out of water and the water was all around it. Long ago, the earth was covered with water and it was destroyed. But the heaven we see now and the earth we live on now have been kept by his word. They will be kept until they are to be destroyed by fire. And they will be kept until the day men stand before God and sinners 
will be destroyed. Now you would think that Peter is describing the Gentiles, that he's describing the pagans and the unbelievers, but in fact, Peter is addressing the church. He is describing and talking about believers and the Jews. And the generation of that church and that people group, which is the generation in the end times. The church in today's present time is speaking these very words. We're looking around and we're saying to ourselves, we're living in the times just like Noah, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus came. And since it's been so long, we've fallen into disbelief. What's the point? And these people no longer believe the word of God is relevant. Does this not sound familiar? Look at the churches in America and around the world today. We live in a time in a society surrounded by culturalism and relative truth. The height of the prosperity gospel. Look at the leader of the Catholic Church, the Pope. This is our generation. This is our church. We are the very people in which Peter is describing. We are now living in a time where God's word is most certainly mocked and laughed at. People are saying these very words which Peter prophesied about. And therefore, because of that, nations and people are forsaking the word of God. They are regressing in sin, and they are resulting back to the ways before the times of Noah. They have irregular relationships with one another. There's bestiality going on. There's extreme satanic worship and witchcraft taking place. And we've got late-term abortion going on, which dates back to the way of Baal worship. In 1978, a San Francisco-based man named Gilbert Baker, an openly gay homosexual and drag queen man, designed the first rainbow flag as a symbol. As a community, both local and international, gay people were in the midst of an upheaval, a battle for equal rights, a shift in status where we are now demanding power, taking it. This was our new revolution, a tribal individualistic and collective vision it deserved a new symbol baker wrote in his as yet unpublished memoir i thought of the american flag with its 13 stripes and 13 stars and the colonies breaking away from england to form the united states he wrote i thought of the vertical red white and blue tricolors from the french revolution and how both flags own their beginnings to a riot a rebellion or a revolution I thought a gay nation should have a flag too, to proclaim its own idea of power. Baker is literally describing not just a revolution, but a rebellion and a revolt. And what is that rebellion? What is that revolt? It's described in Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and 9. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Baker's vision of rebellion and revolution War against the word of God, independence from God's authority to be their own people in their own ways is symbolized through the rainbow flag. On June 26, 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down all state bans on same-sex marriage and legalized it in all 50 states and required the states to honor out-of-state same-sex marriage license in the case of Urbage Fell and Hodges. 
Many Christians around the United States have since then endured incredible persecution from the LGBTQ community and have faced tremendous lawsuits and endless hate against them and are being forced to go against their biblical beliefs and their values. But God is a sovereign God. He is the supreme ruler. His power and authority is unlimited and knows no boundaries. His ways are just and true. Everything that God does and speaks is just. He gave his one and only son, the name above all names. He gave him the crown of all crowns. He set his throne high and exalted above all thrones, above the heavens and the earth, an everlasting throne that will never erode or fade away. His words endure forever, and they will never cease to speak, and they will always be living and active. Gilbert Baker thought he came up with the idea. He thought he was the artist, and that it was his ingenious idea that came up with a symbol to represent the equality of sin for all people. But it was God who came up with the idea of the rainbow. It was God who created it. It was God who set it high above the clouds and formed it through his word. It was God who did it. And although Gilbert Baker took that symbol of God's covenant and formed it to represent the sin of the world, God already foreknew what would happen. God already knew that in 1978, it would be perverted and would take place in the gay LGBTQ community. He knew it because he is sovereign. He is supreme. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing and all-existing, and he cannot be mocked. So when God created the rainbow... To represent his everlasting covenant to Noah, God knew that he was going to destroy the earth again, but by fire. God knew that he was sending his one and only son, Jesus, to the earth to die for it, for the sins of mankind. And God knew that a time would come where the world would completely reject his son, Jesus. And he knew that he would one day send Satan to the world in the form of the Antichrist to mislead the entire world. He always knew. He wouldn't be God if he didn't know. God knew the end before he created the beginning. So God set up another sign inside the rainbow and he concealed its message until the end times were upon us. Until that time would come when that sign would resurface in 1978 through the hands of Gilbert Baker. Now this was not an accident that happened. It wasn't a coincidence that happened. Romans 8.28 tells us that All things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus. That means even Mr. Baker here. There are no coincidences. There are no accidents. God is the greatest communicator who ever was. He is the greatest communicator who will ever be. And he is the greatest communicator who will always be. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. Who was, who is, and who is to come. Everything that occurred and happened right there in 1978 was by divine purpose and by divine plan and precise, perfect timing. Now, if you would, turn with me to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. In the time of the first world empire, the first antichrist type, the king of Babylon, when Israel is in captivity, an angel of the Lord, the archangel Gabriel, the angel who came to Mary and Joseph and announced the name of the birth of the Messiah, whose name was Jesus. That angel came to Daniel to give Daniel a complete prophetic timeline to the end of the world. Now, Daniel had a set of visions where this angel revealed that these visions described are five different beasts that would come and rule over the world. Now, these beasts represent five different empires. 
who are led by five different kings. Now, four of them have already come and passed. They're in your history books. The Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and there's a fifth one waiting to come. And when Jesus came, when he came to the earth, died on the cross, and was resurrected, it was during the times of the Roman Empire, the fourth beast. Starting in verse 24, the word of God reads, 77s are decreed for your people in your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for wickedness, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. This is the prophecy of the 77s, which is the prophetic timeline. Now, know and understand this from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, who is Jesus, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. And after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. Now that's concerning the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That all that was already fulfilled. That was concerning the second temple, which was rebuilt. The decree was given by King Cyrus. Now the people of the ruler who will come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. Desolations have been decreed. He, which is concerning the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. That's seven years. And in the middle of the seven, in three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end as decreed is poured out upon him. Now, that entire prophetic timeline that was being given to Daniel is nearly fully complete. And all of it has nearly come to pass, except for the last remaining set of seven years, which is when the Antichrist will come. Now, the rainbow consists of seven colors. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Now, why seven? The entire world and all of creation was created in six days, but God rested on the seventh day. Seven is the number of holiness. It is the number of anointing, the number of what is pure, what is set aside, what represents God. There are seven spirits of God, also known as the archangels of the Lord. In Revelation chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. There are seven days in a week. Seventy is the number of complete generation cycle. There are seven years to a complete Jewish calendar cycle. Forty-nine years is seven sets of seven years. And the fiftieth year is a jubilee year. It was on the fiftieth day when Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And on the 50th year, captives are set free. Land is given back to the people. Now, a rainbow is a meteorological phenomenon that is caused by reflection, refraction, and dispersion of light and water droplets, resulting in a spectrum of light appearing in the sky. It takes the form of a multicolored circular arc. Rainbows caused by sunlight always appear in this section of sky directly opposite of the sun. Now, why is that significant to know? Because the sun in the Bible represents Gentile nations. And Luke chapter 21 concerning 
when the end will come, Jesus says in verse 20, starting, When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against his people. They will fall by the sword and be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This is known as the time of the Gentiles. And this is also where we get the word of the Great Commission when the gospel is spread throughout the whole world. Now there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish at the perplexity, at the roaring and tossing of the sea. That represents tribulation. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world from the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. Now, the Ark of the Rainbow is formed at an angle of exactly 42 degrees precisely, and its position at exactly 42 degrees opposite of the sun. Now, anyone who studies biblical prophecy understands the very significance of the number 42. In the Bible, 42 is a number with a direct connection to the coming Antichrist. His evil efforts will last for 42 months in the end time, and thus 42 is firmly associated with him. Revelation 11, 1 through 2, what says, Then the angel gave me a measuring rod like a staff, saying, Arise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and they shall trample upon the holy city for 42 months. That's Revelation 11, 1 through 2. Now, Revelation 13, which states that the end times, in the end times, the beast's power will be so powerful that nobody will be able to make war with him. He will speak great boastful things and be given the authority to do so for 42 months. That's Revelation 13, 4 through 5. 42 is also made up of 6 and 7, showing a link between mankind and God's spirit and a link between the Antichrist and Jesus Christ. The numbers six and seven. Remember, there are seven colors to the rainbow. The earth was created and everything was created in it in six days. But on the seventh day, God rested. That's the link between the Antichrist and Jesus Christ. When we substitute numeric for letters in Nimrod's name, we find 42 playing a role. Nimrod's name equates to 294, which is 42 times seven. 42 is often found as a factor in Antichrist names. In Genesis chapter 9, the rainbow represents God's covenant of peace with the earth. But in Daniel chapter 9, the rainbow is represented as Satan's false peace with the earth. Daniel chapter 9 is a direct paradox to Genesis chapter 9. Daniel 9.27, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. That's the seven-year peace treaty the Antichrist makes with the entire world. But in Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 and 13, God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making. There's that word again, covenant. I am making between me and you and every creature 
with you a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Now, there are also seven colors in the rainbow. It represents peace, but it is also a sign of warning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 3-7, Paul tells us, For when they say peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those in sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. The rainbow flag was taken in adoption as a sign of peace, a sign of unity and harmony. To them, it represents equality without judgment. And it is happening exactly as Paul warned. For when they say peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly. Now in my last message, getting kicked out of church. If you haven't listened to that, it's a really good message. You want to go back and check it out. But in that last message, I took you through the passages of 1 Kings chapter 22, where the false prophets were all speaking peace and success. And I revealed to you that just because everything looks good, Just because everything looks fine, and just because fire isn't erupting, yet it doesn't mean that things aren't actually, that they're okay. Paul warns, don't be like them, but be separate. Continue living a holy life in the light of God, because destruction is coming. In 1 Kings 22, I reveal to you that it was God who sent a deceiving spirit in the mouths of those false prophets. And it is God who will send the Antichrist as a deceiving spirit again to deceive the entire world. Ecclesiastes 1.9 tells us that what has happened will happen again. What has been done will be done again. History repeats itself. There's nothing new under the sun. This is a prophetic pattern. This is a cycle that has occurred before, and it's reoccurring again. It was ordained since the beginning in the foundations of the earth. Jesus warned us that it would be exactly like it was both in the times of Noah and in the times of Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't a coincidence that Jesus chose that. It wasn't a coincidence that Jesus chose the sign of the rainbow. And it wasn't a coincidence that the LGBT community picked the rainbow is a sign for themselves. There are no accidents in God. There's no coincidences in God. He doesn't make mistakes. There's no chances. Everything is by divine plan and purpose and at precise time. And some of you might be thinking that God somehow made a mistake, that this community has taken over God's sign of the rainbow. But in reality, God did not make a mistake. It wasn't an accident. This wasn't the enemy's doing, but in fact, God knew it would happen since the very beginning. This was God and his sign to his church. And he is saying, what he is saying to the church is, I am sovereign. Look out, wake up. The spirit of the Antichrist is arising in the earth. The spirit of lawlessness is on the earth. The sign is meant to mislead the earth, but to the church, it's a sign of God's promise of redemption, of salvation for those who put their full and complete trust in Christ. Because we know that God is faithful to his words, he is bringing them to pass every single one of them. Don't be fooled. Don't be misled. 
Don't be tricked into thinking what these people think, that God isn't going to do something about everything, that God's abandoned his word because he most certainly is going to do something about this. And he's waiting for that exact perfect timing. And it will come suddenly just like it did with the flood, just like it does with lightning and a flash. Wickedness was on the earth when the flood came. That wickedness took the form of extreme sexual perversion and sexual violence against the bodies and the image of God. And it isn't ironic that these very same people had picked for themselves the sign of the rainbow that was formed after God's judgment on the earth. They have completely deceived themselves because the rainbow foretells of their very destruction. The rainbow foretells the coming of the Antichrist. It foretells God's promise of salvation and victory to those in Christ, that the meek shall inherit the earth. Now God is sovereign. He really is. And His love is great. He is speaking to us, church, that He loves us. His love is mighty and He is a jealous God. He is jealous for us. He loves us. He's called you and He has given you a purpose. He has made you after His very own purpose. He has given you an identity in Him. You are not weak. You are not lost. You are not forgotten or abandoned. God has never left you and He hasn't forsaken you and He doesn't forsake His word in spite of everything that is going on and taking place. God is right there. He's knocking at the door. And if you will open the door to him and say, Jesus says that he will come in and he will eat with you. He will never depart from you. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Jesus isn't far away. His heavenly father isn't far away. He is near to us and he saves anybody who will call upon his name. And he's moving quickly and he's moving fast. We serve a faithful and true God. He is real. His words have proven true. Therefore, we have great hope and we have a great future. And even if these things here may be coming to an end in reality, things for those who believe in Jesus are just beginning. Life is just beginning for us. Everyone in Christ who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 and when God gave me these verses, when God spoke to me, I believe he wants me to tell you that he wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. He is asking for you to believe in him, to trust him. He is calling you to live a life according to his great love. And maybe you have never fully trusted him. Maybe you've never fully believed in him. Maybe you have never really been sure, or maybe you have felt that your future was lost. I want you to I want to pray for you right now. And if you will choose to believe these words in your life, God wants to give you his holy spirit. He wants to give you a new life in him. He hasn't appointed you to wrath. He's appointed you to salvation in him. Some of you out there who are listening to me right now, God has appointed you as a pastor. Some of you, God has appointed you as a prophet to your nation and communities. Some of you, God is called to the worship ministry. God has many gifts and purposes for you, and he's calling you to fulfill them. Will you trust him? Will you answer him? He has a great call upon your life. The world needs you. Your family needs you. Your community needs you. You may be the only chance that someone will ever have to know and hear the gospel message of Jesus. My dear Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your son Jesus for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your words. Thank you for revealing the truth to me. And I ask that you help me to continue to believe that, my, that I may grow in my faith. And grant me your Holy Spirit, O Lord. Show me your great love and compassion so that I may in return show others that very same love. I ask that you lead me, that you lead my life and fulfill my callings and my purposes and help me to walk in your love. In your great name, O Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Now you can find more great teachings just like this one on our website at tribeofchristians.com. We're also on Facebook and on YouTube. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Send us a message or email. I want to hear from you. And don't forget to like and subscribe and share this podcast to get future updates and help us spread the gospel message. This concludes this podcast message. I am the chief sinner with the tribe of Christians. And may God continue to bless you and be with you always.